Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest's bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Lamar Harris. What up? Hi, Lammy. Let me read your bio and then I can like gush about you. (laughs) (laughs) Lamar, who uses he, him, his pronouns, is a Houston native living and growing in Austin for the last 15 years. His world consists of juggling life as a creative while getting paid as a web designer for fintech, wishing he could just DJ 24-7 and make people's hips move as DJ North Lamar. Also, he was Austin's 2019 Butch Queen, Tamara Tabasco, which I did not know, Lamar. <laughs> Hi. What up? <laughs> How have you been? Oh, you know, trying to stay sane from and hide from Rona. Making it, making it, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. You and I ha- had to have met like three or four years ago now. Yeah. I've been here for, it would be four years, so probably like three years ago, which I'm like, that's insane how long a how long i've been here and b how long i've known you but yeah Yeah. my lamb we met the mutual friends and i Mm -hmm. like was obsessed with lamar from day one also like lamar has like this really like sultry voice and he's like six seven and i just can't deal so (laughs) here we are (laughs) yeah i thought you hated me at first really yeah well no Brie is very much, you know, me being an introvert and are you an introvert? Absolutely not. That's what I thought. So like us two, we bonded, but at first I was like, I don't know if Brie likes me. I don't know if I'm too quiet for her. She's very outgoing, you know, because almost everybody (laughs) in that group are very outgoing right um it's it's interesting quiet people fascinate me like i feel like a lot of my friends are introverts Uh because introverts like are the complete opposite of me so like i love like talking to y'all and like making you open up more it's like a secret like like lock and key like only i know the code too it's a whole thing no i yeah. loved you i was obsessed with you when i first met you like i talked like can lamar come can't come hang out you know, like lamar lives like in north north Austin. like i want lamar to come hang out. Like, i came i was there i was always there for whatever it. chill night like y'all helped me through um like a strange period period yeah. in my life like it was perfect like how that formed then came about so yeah Yeah. Uh, it's funny like also people like my face i have a very expressive face and so like people will say things and i my face reacts before i do so i also get you saying that i'm like i didn't know if she liked me or not because i just like 
I did theater for a long time and that doesn't help either. It's like my face is like really good at like expressing things. Then some people like, is it, is she happy? Does she hate me? What is going on? So the default is I typically like people to give me reason not to like you. Or if I don't like you, you will know. Like it'll be very clear. Right on, right on. Yeah. So I'm so excited to talk to you today because the topic you have picked is really like reigning true to what I'm going through right now in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like take us through like why you chose this, what the, like, the actual topic is, and then we'll like jump in. Yeah. So I um, wanted to talk to you about, you know, what is being a professional in this day and age, especially for people of color and also how that relates to your upbringing, your family life, and so on, as it re- as it correlates to epigenetics, and I don't know if you know anything about that. Please, what are epigenetics? Uh, so I'm once again, I'm no scientist. I'm okay. a pro at this. Um, so during that same period of time when I met you and TJ and John and Matt, I was going through a real stage in my life with my career, my personal life, my friends, and so on, and that's when I started doing therapy. And I started doing therapy at the end of a bad relationship where it like it helped in me figuring out a lot of things that like a lot of the habits that I was doing in life and where those habits came from and how it correlates to like my upbringing, my family. And during that time, I discovered the magical world of podcasts. And one of the podcasts that I listen to on a daily is the friend zone. And it was so weird. It's like the universe is like, you need to listen to this podcast because right now they're doing a series on on the body feelings, how your body reacts to certain things in your life and events, how to navigate relationships, um, friendships, and so on, when to call something to an end. And then also, let's put some science into there and see how some of these things are brought on by your epigenetics. And so epigenetics, from what I understand, is like you have your genetic makeup. So some people are predisposed to certain things, whether it be like, you know, cancer, and so on. But epigenetics is like, say, your mom, she was a worry word. Like, she always worried growing up. So you now are predisposed to also being a worrier, like worrying about things as you're growing up, too. So when Fran from the Friends Zone broke it down, it, it sparked something into me like, oh, maybe I need to talk to my therapist about this because a lot of the things that she's breaking down, I see them and I got them from my mom. So it all made sense. So it's like epigenetics is like mm, for people of color is like always worrying about money because, you know, we have society that works against us and so on. So you worry about money a lot. So now growing up as you're in adulthood, you're like always like money's in the back of your mind. You're always worrying about that or being hyper aware of the color of your skin, you know. So that's how I understood it to be. Hmm. And so it correlates to a lot of things that, you know, when talking to my therapist, I figured out like, these are where these things come from. These could be a reason of why you do it. Now let's learn from it. Yeah. I mean, it also sort of sounds like a little bit like intergenerational trauma too. Like mm -hmm. if um, there's like a sign, there's a scientific finding that says like, if your grandmother suffered trauma, that lives in her body and then she has your mom and it passes like that trauma or whatever, like the 
like the like her levels or like the science behind like your body that gets transferred to your mom and then like so like your mom unless your mom like works for the intergenerational trauma it'll live in her body too when she has her own kids it'll go from there so like yeah. that's like when they say like healing intergenerational trauma is huge um because like women can pass it on and then like it, it just like is in your makeup so like you're saying all this stuff about like you know, it comes from like your mom's upbringing and then it comes to you. That's exactly what it sounded like to me when I was like doing my own research. I'm like, I don't know what the frick epigenetics is. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that's, that's so fascinating. And I mean, on uh, the episode I have with uh, my friend Kara, we talked about that too. Just like, you know, as people of color, we're often expected to, you know, have very performative behavior. Um, so when you bought this topic of like staying professional versus being yourself, like, I don't code switch and I and I think it's because I've had the privilege of minus this current job I've always worked with predominantly people of color queer people Mm -hmm. or women and so like I've been able to like show up as my full self all the time like there's not a work brie or out of work brie it's just like I'm consistently me um but now like lately working you know working with 30 people and I'm one of two people of color one the other woman is mexican and i'm black and so it's just it's it's been interesting working at a place that's like doing a lot of progressive work and still like sort of dealing with like i don't believe in microaggressions i believe in aggressions period so like things that people have said and it's like not even like sometimes like racial place it's like ageist too of like Mm -hmm. how like higher ups talk to like their quote-unquote subordinates and i'm just like I don't, it, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Cause like we've had people like tone policing women. And I'm like, you would never say this to a man, but you tell this mm-hmm. girl, like, you know what, what you said could have been taken as this, or it was like too brash. And like, I've been tone police before. Like when, when I moved here, um, being from the East coast, you know me, I'm very blunt. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, yeah. me what you say and say what you mean. But like people in the South are very like beat around the bush. And so like with me doing social work, I had clients who had grown up in the South. And so for me, like I was used to serving clients in the Northeast. And so we were all like very much like cards on the table, no bullshit. But here you got to be a little bit more delicate, not delicate, mm-hmm. a little bit more sweet or polite um, and like drag yeah. things out more. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. So <laughs> Yeah. And I, I hate that. And yeah, I mean, mine. Ooh. Yeah, we can get into it. So you being in your new role, what it like, do y'all have like a professional environment? Like you said, you don't code switch anymore. So like, how did you come to that? Um, I have found that now I take a lot more time before I answer. You <laughs> used to just be like, whatever came to my mind, I would say. And I think it's because like with me, I had a, I've worked, I had worked for nonprofits for, for listens I started my career. So it was very much like, job security like mm-hmm. i hate to say it, but as nonprofits, it takes a lot for you to get fired just because the turnover is ridiculous so like now working at this place i know that i can be very passionate about the things that i say and like that whole trope of like the angry black woman is mm-hmm. always in my mind yeah and it's just now i'm just like very particular about what i say like there was an incident that happened yesterday at work and long story short i was trying to like help a girl on the project and it you know i run it by her and it didn't work out and you know when you know the shit hit the fan 
I felt like she left me out to dry when I had like cleared this with her, ran through it with her, had asked questions. Um, and then like my supervisor later had asked me about it and I was like, listen, I, that was this morning. It is now five o'clock. We could talk about it during our one-on-one next week. <laughs> like yeah. I can't relive it today cause it was just too annoying. Um, and then also like I had been working on a project and it was um, pulling some data and the new like overseer of that project, uh, I had stayed up late the night before, finished it, um, and it was like in a Google Drive. And so usually with Google, you know, like it automatically update updates. And so the next morning, she messaged me like, "Hey, like I assigned this task to you. Um, I'm not. I'm seeing that it didn't get finished and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Hey, did you refresh her page?" <laughs> She's like, "No." I was like, "Refresh her page." Two minutes later, I am so sorry. I don't know why this happened, blah, blah, blah. And so I was talking to her friend. I'm like, if she just would have hit refresh, like you automatically went to the place of I didn't do what you're like, rather than give me the benefit of the doubt and re, and like try to make sure it wasn't like a technical error, you automatically assumed I didn't do what you asked me to do. And that pissed me off. And I was like, you know, stayed up late doing this last night. And I, you know, I... I get that you I you couldn't move forward with your step of the project. I did mine, but I just need you to know, like, maybe you need to check your internet. Maybe you need to check your, yeah. like, it was just a lot of things of, like, I feel like I have to constantly be on the defense now, and it's very freaking annoying, um, and I'm not used to it. And, yeah, I don't know. So, like, I think that's kind of where I am right now, of, like, not code switching, but feeling like I have to just always be ready and have, like, have my ducks in a row and, like, have the receipts at all times. You you sound like me two years ago. Oh like, wow! Yeah, so I've been at, I've been doing uh, web design for sixteen to seventeen years, but I've been at this company for fifteen, and I've gone through all of the corporate politics and you know all of the mind games and so on. And so for like the past like five years and in that time when I started therapy, I started like in like looking inwards on like, how am I bringing these situations to my desk? You know, cause I would, I've been in the conversations with people at work where once again, it's like, Oh, you're the angry black man, you know, or like, Hey, calm down. Like, why are you being so defensive? And mm. it's like, no, I'm not defensive. I'm being stern. Um, I'm right in my conviction right now of that, you know, something's happening that I don't like. And I'm letting you know, and, you know, so don't label me as defensive, just label me as, you know, trying to work this situation out. But our, you know, our reflections and our tones are different. And so I was like, okay, I kept running into these issues with, you know, people at work. And of course, you know, I'm the only black man in this office for the past 12 years, right? So that was, a that's, yeah, so that's another thing. 12 years? 12 years. I started with maybe two other, you know, people of color and then after those three years for the past 12 years i've been like the only black man in that office and so you know ran into some other issues with coworkers. whereas once again you know i you know you have to like how am i gonna how am i gonna juggle this situation so i had a coworker follow me literally down the hallway um a white woman follow me down the hallway literally screaming at me as if i was like her teenage kid you know because she didn't like the way i answered her in an email yeah so me and my counterpart are walking down the hall and she's like literally going off you know you know cussing and so on and i literally just like looked at her and i you know i was like let's flip roles i'm gonna become this white woman i'm gonna become 
her. So I'm like, oh, this how you is this how you talk in the, the workplace? You know, is this is this yeah. how you speak on a regular basis? Like this is, you know, outrageous. So once that clicked in my head, like, oh, let's flip the game. It's like, oh, we're doing this for now on for the rest of my professional right. uh, career. And so, you know, brought HR into it, did all the routes of, you know, everything that, you know, you're supposed to go through when events like this happen in the workplace and so on. And so I'm like, you know, as fun as this could be, this is also causing stress to my body. This also doesn't make me feel good. You know, I'm already juggling a lot of hats at work. So it's like, you know, do we want to keep on doing this or do we want to create some kind of boundary? Right. You know, so on. So I went to therapy. We talked about it and stuff like that. And, you know, my boss was like, so you can't control what any other, not my boss, sorry, my therapist was like, you can't control what other people do and how they, you know, receive something and how, you know, you want them to respond. You can only control what it is that you're doing and how you're going to perceive it and so on. So what can you do in your regular day to day to eliminate that stress and work on yourself? Right. I was like, bet. I'm going to do what Lamar does, does perfect. And that is mind my business. Preach. So like you said, you know, you, you change the way that you respond to people. You like how you, you know, you respond back to your coworker. Like, did you refresh? Mm-hmm. So, you know, started doing things like that. And I noticed like this boundary started getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point to where this, you know, these interactions that I was having with coworkers that were like, really like kind of like on a petty level and like, you know, microaggressions and so on started to cease because they started to realize who I was, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like Lamar's not here for it. I'm not going to yeah. play into it you know, just, I'm really good at what I do. Just leave me alone. Right. And that's like the thing I said to my supervisor yesterday, because we had like a meeting at like after, like about like an hour and a half after. And like with me, I need time to process things before I respond. Cause I've like, I've just always been like that. Cause I am just, I have a very, (laughs) I tell people I am a Pisces on the Aries cusp. Like I am very sweet, but then Mm -hmm. there's like I'm very emotional, but there's a lot of anger underneath there, and I just need a minute. Um, so we had a staff, like a team meeting the other yesterday afterwards. Um, and during the meeting, I was like very quiet. And if you know me at all, I'm very chatty. Um, and he was like, do you have anything like to add? Or so I was like, no, like I'm, I'm good right now. I was like, I'm having a rough day since this morning. Um, but, you know, if anyone needs me, I'm, I'm around. I'm going to be working on this project. And so later on, he text, he messaged me on Slack, and he's like, hey, I just want to like check back in. And he's the kind of person, like, he really does care. Like, he wants to check in and make sure you're okay. But I'm a person, I'm like, I need to process. Like, I'm not in a space to talk about this yet. I'm like, what I'm willing to say at this moment is today has really taught me that, like, there are people who I work with and there are people who I work with who could potentially be more than just coworkers, like, maybe, like, friends. And I was just very much, like, I saw a lot of people's true colors today and I'm really good at, like, you have now set the tone that I cannot expect you to be a team player and to like have my back on things like push going to shove you throw me under the bus. And so like, I know everything I need to know now, like that's fine. I will do what I need to do. I was like, I'm not going to like take on any extra projects. I'm not going to be offering my help to people anymore. Like I'm going to do what I have to do to get my job done. And I don't need to be helping other people save their jobs. Cause these other, mm-hmm. pro- one of the projects I was helping with isn't even my job. It's, her, her job, but I have background in marketing. So she like asked me to like work on this thing. So I did. But now I'm like, bet. Same thing, like say less. Like you, you have set the tone. You have made it so that I cannot trust you now. And if I don't trust you, I'm not going to go out of my way to help you. So it's such a, it's such a petty thing to do. Like 
not feeding into it and like really hitting somebody with like a one word answer and so on, but it's so satisfying to (laughs) your mental state. And especially if you, you, um, present it the right way, it ends all arguments. It ends all conversation, you know? Um, so like, yeah, like I hope another way I coped with it and what I used to do was on Facebook. I don't remember if you remember seeing, I used to do these posts um, called the Becky Chronicles of Narnia. It was my favorite thing, honestly. And where I would talk about these events that happened at work and, and I started noticing like I was doing it more and more frequently and as fun as it was, I was like, no, I I don't know if this is, I don't know if this negative, negative, negatively impacting me or you know if this is really helping me so like you know i stopped doing it and i just started talking to my therapist about it instead (laughs) you know um but yeah like it helped me a lot so now when i go to work in in my professional career now and you know you have like your one-on-one meeting with your boss and so on I no longer am being that professional person I was back in the day. Like, oh, you know, I got to keep my job, you know, job security, this and that. Like, I want wants, I want things that I want, but I'm not going to put those out there. I'm not going to be too aggressive about it. No, that's all out the window now. Yeah. Now that I know how, like, you know, people that are not our color navigate through these offices and these spaces, it's like, oh, once again, let's flip flip the game. So I go into these offices, I present them with, oh, this is Lamar what's coming out of my mouth and what you see and what you get is what you get, like basically. So just recently I've come to realize, you know, and it's, and it's also one of those things that go back to this is our worth, what we value ourselves at. Mm. And so I kind of realized like, you know, I'm actually worth a lot, you know, as you know, I don't need to, you know, have these traits of my mom where I need to worry about everything and this and that, like you are a very valuable person, you know? So taking that into these meetings and into these spaces with other people, you know, they see this man that's like confident and telling you exactly what it is that you're going to get from me. It's, it's crazy to see the facial expressions. It's crazy to see the interaction and stuff on, on these coworkers faces that I've been around for 10 years. Cause it's like, they're seeing a completely different person. Right. And that's my thing too. Like uh, my last job, I was, I worked at a, I was working at Out Youth and like I had people in my office who would just like very much let shit slide and I wasn't one who let shit slide. I've never been one to let shit slide. Um, and there too, I was one of two people of color there as well. No, three. Um, and like, you know, we had a conversation one day about like after the shooting in El Paso last year, if like we would do the Pride March in austin in august um and parades are the only thing that gives me social anxiety so i was like i'm not going anyway at a bunch of fundraising events that day and my boss at the time said something real out of pocket and it was so it was i sat in silence and just like let it sit there for a minute awkwardly to see if any of the white people would say anything and no one said anything, but you could see it on their face that they wanted to, but just didn't know how to say it. And so I, being me, said something um, that was really poignant, poignant. And, you know, during the meeting, everyone was like, no, like, that's exactly it. And so afterwards, like, after he left, I, like, pulled all, like, all of my other coworkers aside. I was like, as a person of color, it is exhausting to have to constantly stick up for myself when I saw all of you get uncomfortable 
but none of you knew where to say anything. I'm like, and if you want to sit, you know, we had been talking about like being an anti-racist organization. I was like, that is the moment where you step up because I shouldn't have to do it when all of you are sitting in here as a white person talking to another white person about why he, what he said was problematic because I shouldn't have to do it as the one person of color in this meeting. So I'm going to let y'all sit with that. I'm like, I'm going home. (laughs) Like that was exhausting for me. I'm going home. No one need me the rest of the day and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Like that too of like just having to, as a person of color, as a marginalized person, period, like as a woman, as a black person and as a queer person, like having to constantly check or like be the check in the room to make sure people aren't being problematic. Like, like making sure we're being inclusive of all people, like dif- differently abled um, gender identities, you know, uh, level of education, like all these things that like people with privilege don't have to think about. And yet, like not saying I haven't had privileges, but it's just like knowing that like if I wasn't in the room, who would defend me? Like who would I want mm-hmm. there in my space? And so I, you know, that's another thing. I carry that with me a lot of like a lot of the time, like whenever I'm like doing speaking engagements or going to events, like I'm very big. I'm like, if I go speak at an event, I'm like, well, who's going to be there? And they're like, what? I'm like, if it's all white people, I'm not going. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not your, your token prize to like parade around. Like I'm very big on like equity and giving people space and like, you know, having events, but like making it that if like, if it's certain amount of dollars that we know, like people of color can't afford then like, gifting tickets or like giving them a chance to or like if you have a person who bought a table but can't fill it like have people in from the community like who want to be there be there at their table like if they already bought the table they can afford it they're not there for like them they don't need the assistance paying for it um so i often think about that too like i have to i have to be in all spaces on like on it. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have the privilege of slipping up. Right. Like, mm-hmm. cause if you fuck up as a black person, it now is representative of all black people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I sit here and like cuss out a boss, they might never hire another black person. Cause like, well that one time Brie cussed me out, not even mentioned that it was probably justified. We won't even go into there. Um, but just the fact that I did it like now means that like, I might not get to go again. Or like when I, spoke at the women's march i made this comment of like you know if it was one of the most diverse women's marches they ever had and it was because it was a rally um and they had women speaking and so it was myself and this other black woman named mimi who runs measure who i'm obsessed with um but you know we talked about like that and how like feminism really erased black people and black women and how in my speech i mentioned that like if i fuck up shonda rams said it like if i fuck up that might mean that they might never invite another black person in or like, you know, Oh, Sean Rhyme says it in her book um, about like when she wrote Grey's Anatomy and it got like on air, like she's on, she's not allotted the ability to fail because if she failed, it's not a reflection on her. It's a reflection of all black women past, present and future. Like, yes, Grey's is very successful, but if it hadn't been like, what, what would that have meant that like, we don't get another like space for a black woman writer or a black director or a black, what have you for years. So it's also that like, I feel like white people are allowed to, to fail and fail and fail and keep getting handouts after handouts after handouts. And I think we saw that really big, like in the Me Too movement with, you know, um, Harvey Weinstein, like these people mm. kept coming to his defense, like him and Louis CK. But then like, and I'm not saying that like 
abusers deserve like space but like for sake of argument like when aziz ansari happened to him like people like threw him under the bus like no like blah blah blah. but they get gave in they kept defending the white abusers but the woman but the person of color wasn't like you know like it's just how quickly we are tossed aside when we are no longer fulfilling a thing that they need Mm-hmm. Um, and then like also John I'm going to go on a tangent and then also John and I talked about this on his episode of like the fetishization of black people and people of color of like you know recently I've been like trying to be like be more in my body and by that I mean like be more comfortable with it taking photos with it but I've always for a long time like not wanting to like seem over sexualized um, especially as a as a black woman like and we go back to like the tropes to you know when um, slavery was bit when slavery was happening and like black women were constantly raped by their, you know, by their masters or their owners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, there's still like that ingrainment and in the, in the U S that like black women are just objects to be looked at. And so it's also like that, that teetering too, of like, I am proud of who I am and what I look like, but I also am more than my body. Um, so like also feeling like I felt like a lot of shame around my body and just being like, I can't praise it because then people are going to look at it and then they're going to, you know, not sort of negate, but also like diminish my worth like mm-hmm. mentally too. So just like being black is exhausting. <laughs> it, it really is. And I mean, I want to go back to like what happened to you in the workplace where you had to stand up, you know, to your, oh, yeah. your boss and the racism and, you know. Um, now picture that happening to me 16 years ago, my first job out of out of art school. Nope. Literally sitting in a boardroom with you know my fellow coworkers and one of the people that like owned the company at the time, and he literally sat there and said, you know, the color of your skin matters in this business. Um, you know, look around. You know, the white men in this room are going to proceed more than say you know the women and the other people of color in this room because of the color of their skin, you know, and, and went on to this tangent about like why, which we're, we're all facts the things that we all know, but it was like a very inappropriate conversation right. to be had. And he's in, and this is where, you know, my professionalism, my, my, I start like my mind starts racing. Like, am I going to remain professional in this conversation or am I going to have to stick Ooh. up and combat, you know, this racist conversation that we're having about, you know, you know, of course, the politics of being corporate America. Right. You know, and once again, I'm like, in back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I know all these things are true, but now I got to step up and fight against it and speak to you about, no, you're not going to label me and automatically put me in that box based on the color of my skin. So me being who I am, even though I'm an introvert, let me go ahead and speak up. And this is where me and my mom differ. And this is where the epigenetic genetics skipped me on this. Mm -hmm. Man, no, like, no, um, you know, I had to break down all these things about marketing, break down all these things about doing business to this man's face, break down all these things where his white counterparts weren't saying anything. Not one word was spoken, literally throwing questions at me and I'm coming back at him with answers and, and, and data and stuff, you know, to combat what it is that he's trying to, you know, basically instill to us that like, you know, he's, in, he's inferior to us. And so it was crazy. So like that happened. And so now we progressed to, you know, 15 years later and, you know, I'm in this FinTech company and we have our, our chief uh, technology officer on Slack. Um, basically, you know, sending out these memes that like are, you know, black memes basically. 
to you know other people in, in our in on slack and you know making jokes and stuff like that using slang words and like these daily um emails he would send out to like the whole company like you know as a, like you know this is what's going on in the company and this and that with other means and whatever and i'm just like okay like no, no what is professionalism to you what is it do you think this is professional Lamar? are you okay with this no you, why are you, you know, is this man pandering because, you know, this company and I, who is he pandering to? Because I'm literally three of black people that work here in this company. So then I'm like, okay, so now I got to step into action again. I got to go find allies. Who are my allies in this office place that are, you know, mm. that are going to work with me to, you know, so I go to my good, good Judy at the time, Sarah in the office. And she's like, She's one of those, you know, hippy-dippy white ladies. She comes from the armed forces, but now she lives her life like, you know, I want to live off the land. Um, mental stability and health and all that stuff is like her big focus in the workplace. She was an agile coach. So she was like big, big on like, you know, the stresses of the workplace. And so when I brought this to her, you know, even she was like, you know, are you being sensitive to this? But, or, or this is really an issue. And she's like, I want, she's like, this is where we got to find allies. So we really got to break this down. So we start, we both start getting on Google. I'm like, Sarah, you know, Google's your best friend. <laughs> like, let's look this up. And so she gets on Google and after spending like a good 30 minutes on Google, she's like, okay, I see the issue. I get it. So she goes into work. She pulls in our, some other allies, you know, in the office that are, you know, people of color and stuff. And, you know, she went to work and she really had my back. And, you know, the chief, techno the chief technology officer is no longer there. Mm. Gets the axe. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So I'm like, this, so this is how this works, you know? But also it made me upset that nobody else really jumped to the forefront to catch right. these things in the very beginning. Like, so literally after this we now have diversity trainings that are mandatory mm. i'll i'll see um, now all of a sudden culture is a big thing in the company and being black and all these things just now coming to light is mm. so tiring it is so tiring it makes me so tired because these are things that you should automatically have considered being like a corporate brand right it's crazy to me. So then, like, so now it's like, okay, this is where Lamar goes back to minding his business. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like, I can't sit here and stress out about it. I've now feel like I've gone and done the work. I need for you all to take that work that's been done and move forward with it. So, like, as tiresome as the, you know, diversity trainings are that now that they, like, come about and how they're not really diversity training at all, at least you're putting in the effort, you know? Yeah. But once again, it's, it's, it's helped me develop my professional growth and like how I want to proceed as a professional as like, okay, I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross the line when I need to cross the line. I'm going to do it in a manner to where I'm going to flip the script on you and keep it really extra professional, you know, and that sucks. But it's like, uh, it's what you have to do to navigate these rooms. And it's like after 15 years of doing it, it's like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And that's why I've like created this this boundary. And I wish I could like tell people like how I created this boundary, but it was literally by going into these office spaces and being that bitch of this is what you're gonna get. Mm. This is what I'm giving you. I know one hundred percent of what it is that I can give you, what you're gonna get from me, 
and that I'm going to be the best one at it. But also, don't ever step to me crazy. Never. Don't that step part. to me crazy. Watch what you say. I'm going to analyze everything that's coming out of your mouth. Also, the emotions behind it, oh, we will go toe-to-toe about mental stability and emotions. We will go toe-to-toe. So, like, I'm really going to analyze everything that's coming out. And and I, when I have these conversations and I see people, and people pick up on me, like, bringing back up facts and things that happened weeks ago and how I'm analyzing what it is coming out. And, like, I'm really, like, I'm repeating it back to them, but also breaking down what it is that you said. It's, like, it's mind-breaking because they don't have anybody else in the office space that that talks to them this way. Yeah. They have nobody, and that's what sucks about working in these business like this. It's like they don't have anybody else that like brings it to them, so they get caught off guard and they get defensive. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Of like, uh, a friend of mine actually just sent me, <laughs> sent me, uh, and I think it's a podcast. She sent me. I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, he sent me. Um, and it's called Surviving Becky. And it's an intimate discussion with um, a visiting associate professor. And it's talking about like, you know, the infamous rise of the characterization of a white woman as Becky as a modern phenom different from past characterizations. Um, but just who embodies the Becky? Why is it important to understand, especially with regards to anti-racism and social justice? Um, and he sent it to me because he was like, I would give anything to watch. He's like, for you to, he's like, I want you to do an anti-racism microaggressions training like i was like i feel like like you were saying like they added culture and hr stuff to this but to to you know to the company norms but i'm also like yeah but i feel like a lot of that that shit is written for white people to keep them comfortable like yeah and black people aren't in there watching writing hr documents right like yeah yeah it's one as you know like when you know people come to us for suggestions and for help and it's like and, and it, you once, once again you get tired and it's like i am not the the end result of you gaining knowledge on your racism and so on google is your best friend and it's free <laughs> it is free um just being, i have i have sorry i've legit told people like if you want me to tell you this answer you're going to pay me my hourly rate or you can go on google for free Exactly. Like I'm not exhausting myself so that you feel like you've done your work. Where yeah. Essentially, I just told you why you were wrong, but then you're going to argue with me why you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to like save us both the time and just go on Google. And yeah. when you're ready to really listen, then you can pay me. Uh, it's exhausting. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, mm. and that's when, so like, but also I want to talk about was like the epigenetics part of it. Mm-hmm. Because you know how you said, like, you, you have to be your, your 100% self in these offices to make sure, you know, people know who you are, you're visible, and so on, I mean, and so on, along with, you know, not being labeled as the angry black woman mm-hmm. or defensive and so on, whatever. So, like, me growing up, like, with my mom, and this is where I get a lot of it from, is she was um, in the oil and gas industry for literally over, like, 30 years. And my dad was in the armed forces and he was like, you know, he was like the stern one, the one that punished us. Like he was the, you know, that parent or whatever, although he wasn't there a lot. So I was with my mom a lot and she's an Aries. I'm a Pisces, but she's not like your normal Aries. I'm not your normal Pisces. I'm literally like a Pisces like you, like me and her are flip flop. (laughs) 
And so I would watch her navigate these office spaces and stuff. And like, I'd go to work with her, you know, like, and she would tell me random stories about like her coworkers and so on. And, you know, things where I would like want to defend her, you know, but she would just be like kind of passive aggressive and whatever and stuff. And then I saw how that correlated to her worrying about money and everything. Although we were, we were fine. You know, mm-hmm. but she always worried about money. And then she was also taking care of the rest of my family, taking care of my grandma and stuff because she's like the older daughter. She's the oldest daughter. And so, like, I would see these things wear on her and how it was like a, a habit that, you know, took over her life. To this day, she's still taking care of, you know, others and like worrying and so on, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, so after talking to my therapist, I was like, and she's like, so why don't you leave this company and go do what it is that you love? And I was like, yeah, but I got these bills. I got this mortgage. Hello. You know, um, Sally Mae was coming for my neck because she wanted her money back for school. Like, you know, like, I can't, you know, whatever. And she's like, I mean, there's jobs out there. There's avenues out there. But I like, I know I got to be the best at this right now. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, but you're dealing with all these stresses and these stresses are called from like your environment and like, you know, other people in the office. Like, why would you want to subject yourself to it? And it's like, I, if my mom could do it, I could do it. Mm-hmm. But we did it differently. Like my mom that wasn't part. combative. I am, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, oh, I know. Cause my mom rest her soul too. My mom was very much like not passive, but just like very much like let shit go. And I'm yeah, not like, I'm, I am not let shit go. No, not at all. Like if, I, if you let it go once, they're going to keep freaking doing it. I'm like, no. My mom took me to one of her high school reunions and one of her bullies like stepped to her and made a joke. And at the time I didn't know what the, what the lady was talking about. Yeah. And so, and you know, I just, I was just watching the exchange of the conversation and, and in my, and I'm side eyeing the whole time. Like, who is this lady? And why is she talking to my mom? And like, what is this situation? Out of pocket. <laughs> yeah. So then my mom broke it down to me later on about who this lady was and how she was a bully in high school and so on. And I literally like a light bulb in my head switched. And I was like, oh, we need to find her. We need to have words. I literally went off and my mom was like, I, I can't think that fast. Like, what? Words and sentences like that, like how you just instantly went to defense mode and had like a whole slew of things you could say to this woman. I can't do that. (laughs) I can't do that. And I'm like, you don't understand the things, the thoughts that are running in my head. And if I would have said it on a daily basis, I would not have a job. Say that again, because I would not have a job. And that's like, and so that professional, like that professionalism trope is always in the back of your head all the time because it's like if i you know i want to be my true authentic self but i will not have a job so it's i feel attacked because honestly (laughs) same like i will read you for filth at all times like i choose not to but i could like and i tell people all the time like don't mistake my niceness for kindness like don't don't try to think like just for weakness i should say like I am real good at being nice. I'm not faking it, but I'm really good at doing it. But the minute, just yes. know that you are you are half a millisecond from always getting cussed out. Mm-hmm. Deservedly. Like, mm-hmm. I will, I, Lord, thank God, God has changed my life. Because old me was real quick to pop off on everybody for anything. And, like, the last, like, couple of months I've been dealing with, like, a lot of, like, interpersonal stuff. And there's, like, some people I'm just, like, I just want to there's so many things I want to say to you at all times, but I can't right now because it's just like, it will never end. Like, and I'm really quick with it. Like I yeah. can say shit and just like be constantly ready. But the people like, 
I need to think about it and get back to you. No, no, no. no. We're in this moment now. I'm, I have things to say. So I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Like, so, like, yeah, like, talking to my therapist and looking at epigenetics, I figured out, like, okay, yeah, so I got that aspect from my mom, but this quick tongue or this way of, like, jumping to, oh, no, you're not going to get over on me, mm. I quickly learned this from my dad. And I had no idea. And it wasn't until like I sat down with my therapist and she said, let's talk about your upbringing. You know, it doesn't sound like your dad was there, but when he was there, he was the disciplinary one and so on. And like, how was his interaction with his family? And I was like, yo, my dad is a shit talker. When I watch him and my aunts, they shit talk. Like, and it's not nice. And I'm like, oh, that's where I get it from. (laughs) So it was like, it's so funny to like how that has like made me who I am today and has helped me navigate these spaces, but also like, uh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I've been tired since 95 people. Like I'm exhausted. (laughs) Like I want to keep these boundaries, but I like, you know, sometimes I got to step over that boundary to go put things back in place, you know, let you let, let you know who I am. And then I like go back to putting it back up. So it's like, it's like that, that trying to juggle, do you want things to stay the way it are, way it is, or do you want to fix it and like, you know, move in a better place? Or do you want to like, you know, keep minding your business and, you know, keep your mental health intact, you know, until you really need to bring that pit bull out to, you know, so yeah, it's crazy. Uh. Mm, yeah i think what this is like all taught me like as i get older and like think about having kids i'm just like i don't plan on having like my own kids I, I plan on adopting we'll see how this goes but i was telling a person a couple weeks ago like i am really big on like ending the cycle of trauma and like you know my mom had cancer and passed from cancer and so like and then my grandfather had cancer and my dad had cancer so i'm just like i'm not gonna like test the genetic lottery and just adopt mm-hmm. a kid um but i also know like i plan on adopting older kids and so like they're they'll probably have trauma from their life and their situations and so like at the more i like have these conversations the more i'm like you know as soon as i can put that kid in therapy i am right because i feel like yeah. people think like you only go to therapy when something is wrong and i mean you can just go to therapy to talk to someone and like hear somebody who has just a exactly a, a, who has a step back who has like no play who has no skin in this game who just like give you perspective um so yeah i mean the more i think about that especially like you know being a black person will probably be raising a black child in this country i'm just like <sighs> exhausting and i just i I want black people to do so much better and i think it's like we're Mm -hmm. it's we will have to constantly defend ourselves and like we'll need allies to show up like you had to get that person in on on your end um so yeah i i that all this that's all that just this keeps reminding me of like who i just want my kids life to be less stressful (laughs) yeah i mean yeah exactly i mean i'm just like you i don't want to have i mean i think it would be fun to have my own you know, a kid, but then I'm like, no, I don't like kids. I don't like kids. I can, I like, you know, my godsons and stuff. Like I'm, I'm here for you. I got you. But if I got to take care of you, you're not going to make it. You're not <laughs> like as fun as it would be to see like what I create and how similar they are to me. I just, it, it makes me, it gives me anxiety. So I'm like, no. Listen, no. if I had a small version of me, I don't, I don't know what I would do. Like I, because history repeats itself, like I can't risk exactly. it. Like, 
and I'm going to, knowing me, I'm going to be that type of person. Like we're, we cannot have history repeat itself, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in a family that has dealt with addiction and mental illness and so on. I'm like, I'm going to be that go 200, like over, like trying to make sure that this kid is going to be okay. Right. Like instantly in, you know, seeing a therapist and so on and whatever. I mean, I know not everybody is able to do so, but yeah, I know me, I will put in, too much effort and making sure this kid is like completely okay and then they turn out to be a complete asshole and rebellious because i'm like hovering 100 you know so it's gonna be a balance for yeah. sure uh, uh, so, but yeah i mean yeah that's what my life is now <laughs> well here we are yeah well, I thank you so much for bringing this topic because this is this has been therapy for me today <laughs> to talk to someone who gets it and like a safe a safe brave space of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I want you to find that that find that boundary. Um, <laughs> you give me homework. <laughs> yes, find that find that boundary. Uh, challenge your inner Daria when my face. when the, yes. That is my, that is my, what you call it, my spirit animal to any situation now is I hit them with the Daria. You get one or two word answers. You get a very dry tone, you know, and that's how I like, I keep those walls built. It's like, I, you see the less effort that I'm putting in, therefore that's all you're going to get. So therefore you just keep on going, <laughs> you know, like don't come to me with nothing else. So. Right. Okay. I can do that. I can find my Daria. I, I have the side eye down. Perfect. Yeah. I think it's just like me sounding bored is going to just be the next step of just being very much like, yep, that's all you're going to get from me today. Just like very monotone. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah because i'm i mean like i said i'm like i'm so sick of being labeled like you know the defensive one the angry one the mean one and so on Mm. like so now we got to flip the game and without giving you too much and going down too far that rabbit hole of being you know mr happy-go-lucky black person in the office place like i still gotta keep true to myself but i'm gonna do it on like a boundary level so absolutely well thank you too um any events, organizations, websites you want to tell us about? And I'll be sure to link all the stuff in the show notes. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, me and my friends are trying to be like you, Brie. We have like a little <laughs> podcast network. Um, right now we've been focused on um, is four gentlemen that are Hispanic. And it's called Las Jalatinas. Um, you can find them on most platforms and on Facebook and Instagram and so on. Their podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, you know, all the works, whatever. Go out and listen to them. It is not work safe at all. Okay. At all. But it is hilarious. They talk about everything from, you know, growing up in a Latin house home to, you know, uh, sex, first encounters like yeah they're they're pretty crazy um but go check them out um my podcast is with my friend jeff who is also our producer it is called pop by proxy where we talk about everything in pop culture but with not so popular commentary so we pick like a we pick like a a question to basically debate about so to say and then we go into and like break it down and we basically are just debating like different facts and opinions when it comes to like popular culture and, and music and so on. So we need to have you come on. We'll I would love to, on. please. Yeah. We'll pick a topic. Cause I have feelings on all pop culture at all times. So yes. you let me know and I'll be there. For real, for real. So yeah, like 
we um so i got that going on hopefully when you know rona disappears and goes back to her whole i'll be back to djing um so i don't know where yet but hopefully soon when i do i'll let you know yeah i'm trying to be better about like dancing in public this year yeah yeah it's a whole thing i always jokingly say i have straight girl ptsd of like going (laughs) to straight like clubs all through college and like being grabbed and groped and so like now like that i'm in this very like calming space in my life of like i can go to a gay bar as a queer person and like that not Mm -hmm. have that experience and so i'm trying to trying to slowly get because i love dancing i just like i also like don't like the club like i'm more like a let's go for a coffee let's grab a beer sort of person but you get me on a good night when i'm just like you know what sure so this is you what? let me know when you're DJing. And Why, are Why are we twins? Why are we twins? Liam, I've been trying to tell you for years. We're basically the same We're person. twins because, you know, I do not. I don't like the bars. I don't like the scene. And that's what, and I, but I love music. And that's why I've been trying to DJ more because I want to bring like a different, you know, variety of music to the scene. Right. But once again, you got to navigate these spaces, these spaces with, you know, these white people so i'm like i'm trying to get in there and but i want to create something of my own so we'll see like hopefully i can make that happen i just need to come out of my hole and be like you and just like listen if you need anything you know where to find me. i know i know or how to find me at least exactly <laughs> i know so i mean i'm gonna get my ass in gear and get it together so i yeah. love it okay my last question of the day all right at the end of each show i like to ask my guests what is the best advice you were ever given or what is a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? The best advice that I was ever given is from my good friend, Kevin Gardner. And it's one that everybody has always heard about, you know, your cup being full. And so what he told me, but the way he he put it, and I'm not going to get it right, was basically, so you got this glass of water and you've been giving sips to all these people, but how much of, of that glass of water are you getting? Are you thirsty? Are you dehydrated? Is your skin not glowing? Because you're black and black don't crack. So therefore, what's going on? You should fill up that cup and you should keep all that cup to yourself like I do. And I was like, you know what, Kevin, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> like, And so that's what I live by now. Like I, and I, you know, I, I love my people. I love my friends or whatever, but I I can't keep putting you in your place. I can't keep telling you about yourself. I can't be your hero all the time. I got to keep some of this water to myself. Like I might, I don't want to be ashy. So let, let's not be ashy. Listen, I want this skin to glow people. Exactly. So Ugh. yeah, that's like the best advice. It was like a good analogy. And I was like, you know, you're so right. Like, ugh. shout out to Kevin. That is yeah. good. Well, that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. As always, a special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to you all next week. Bye. <laughs>